Hello and welcome to our latest patient safety podcast. Today, once again, we're going to be focusing on the recently published patient safety incident response framework. Key to the success of PSERF is ensuring staff receive quality training in patient safety incident response so they can support their organisation to learn and improve. So in today's podcast, we're going to be focusing on the training requirements of PSERF and more specifically using the training procurement framework. I'm delighted to say joining me on today's podcast, we have Tracy Hurley, Head of Patient Safety Incident Response Policy in the National Patient Safety Team at NHS England, and from the East of England NHS Collaborative Procurement Hub, we have Procurement Specialists Nadine Mill and Amy Alday. And from the Healthcare Safety Investigation Branch, we have Andrew Murphy Pittock, Head of Investigation Education. And finally, from the Patient Safety Syllabus Development Team, we have Steve Cross, who's an Associate in Patient Safety at the Academy of Medical Royal Colleges. So welcome all and thank you for joining us today. Um, Tracy, I'll kick off with you. Um, would you be able to start by giving us an overview of the PSERF training requirements and also the links between the different guests we've got joining us today on this podcast? Yep, thanks, James. Yeah, so the um, so now that the PSERF documents are published, so hopefully um, people have had a chance to review at least some of them. I know there's quite a lot. Um, there's a handy table in the patient safety incident response standards that kind of outlines the, the training requirements. And so they did, they they differ depending on your role. So we've got training requirements for learning response leads. So these may be people who are leading on, say, investigations, multidisciplinary team reviews or any kind of learning response. Um, we've got training requirements for those who are leading on engagement and involvement of those affected, which may be the same person who's leading on the learning response. And we've also got some training requirements for those who are in PSERF oversight roles. So this may be um, provider boards and, the, and those in ICBs and so on. So within the patient safety incident response standards, we've also defined competencies for these three roles as well. And there are three main topics or training courses that we've defined. So one is the systems approach to learning from patient safety incidents. This um, is uh, required to be a minimum of two days. We have training in the oversight of learning from patient safety incidents, a minimum of one day, and then um, training in involving those affected by patient safety incidents in the learning process. And this is a minimum of one day as well. So in addition to this training, We've, we also require completion of level one and two of the patient safety syllabus and continuing professional development at least annually. So this might include things as staying up to date with best practice um, and contributing to learning responses. And there are a number of ways that organisations can ensure that relevant staff meet the training requirements. So one of those ways is some may be able to offer the training in-house and we've kind of specified in the standards the requirements for those who are conducting training. We've also really wor worked really closely with our colleagues at East of England Collaborative Procurement Hub to develop for the first time this procurement framework that we're going to talk about today, which contains a list of recommended suppliers to cover the three training courses. And we hope that this is going to assist organisations with identifying quality training providers that we've assessed as meeting the PSERF requirements. Um, we'll have more information about this on our future NHS platform, but we also have Nadine and Amy joining us today. will be able to um, talk a little bit more about that. The Healthcare Safety Investigation Branch have also developed training that meets PSERF requirements um, and Andrew will be able to tell us a little bit more about that. 
And then we've also finally worked closely with our colleagues developing the patient safety syllabus to ensure that the content kind of aligns so that we're all kind of working together. And so, and this is specifically um, for one of the level three modules that focuses on system-based approaches to learning from patient safety incidents. Um, we have Steve here with us too, who'll be able to talk about that as well. Thanks, Tracy, and great to hear we have a procurement pr uh, framework in place. Nadine and Amy, can you tell us a little bit more about that and how it will work? Yeah, of course. Um, I'll just briefly run through the sort of process of adding new providers onto the framework. Um, we worked in collaboration with NHS England to create lots for A to C on the training and development framework. Uh, this has been developed as a light touch regime framework. This means the hub will reopen the framework on a yearly basis with the NHS patient safety team to see if there are new providers in the marketplace who are able to meet the selection criteria. If they do, then they'll be awarded to the framework. By working with the patient safety team, this gives potential users of our joint framework a sense of comfort, knowing that the training provided has enabled and enhanced the knowledge of frontline staff to be armed with the most relevant and compliant training programme to assist them in dealing with challenging situations on a regular basis. To use the framework as a legally compliant route to market, we need to know who is using the framework and which provider has been awarded. For compliance, both the contracting authority and provider must sign a call-off order form. This is straightforward and sets out the parties who are entering into a contract, what is being provided, for example, which part of lot four is being used, and any key items for the trust, such as fixed delivery dates or phased payments. This way, it sets out the expectation of both the provider and the trust to ensure you receive what you are paying for. How do you gain access to the framework if you're a trust? So we've pulled together a couple of documents that will be available on the future NHS platform. One shows a high level process flow of the journey from start to finish of a trust inquiring about the framework through to completing the order and the services being delivered. A trust can gain information on the framework either via the provider directly or via the hub but you must let us know you're using the framework as, to, as we have to comply with national procurement regulations and for us to publish reports on expenditure through the framework. If you are a member, we will email you the ITQ pack directly and keep a log of this to ensure that we can report. If you're not a member, we will ask you to complete and sign an access form, again, to ensure that you comply with the terms and conditions and, do, and to indicate which lot or lots you are interested in receiving further information on. Once a trust has decided on a route to market, either direct award or mini competition, you have agreed the terms, milestones and implementation plan with your provider. You will both need to complete the order form, which must include the duration, the value, including VAT and a purchase order number, if this is known. For the order to be fully compliant and for it to be a compliant route to market. The order form then needs to be sent onto the hub for an access code. This access code is very important that it appears on all correspondence for the hub as we need to report on the financial aspects. How will we know if the framework is working? We are in regular communication with providers on lot four for feedback on what they think or find from contracts they obtain against the framework and we will be canvassing trusts using the services to see how they got on so we can understand how well the framework is meeting needs. That's great so it sounds like there are a few options for training so bringing in Andrew now from from HSIB 
Can you tell us some more about HSIP's training offering and how that relates to P the PSERF training requirements? Hi, James. Thank you. Uh, of course. So um, we've developed training over the over the last year or so, which fits in really, really well with with uh, the PSERF launch and the training requirements. So first of all, the the systems approach to to learning from patient safety incidents, as Tracy said, that's a, a minimum of two days um, or twelve hours. Uh, and what we offer with that is our level two. Uh, training program, which we're launching in early autumn, uh, and is actually 30 hours of uh, self-directed e-learning uh, online. So that goes above and beyond uh, and gives a really in-depth um, study of a human factors and systems thinking approach to, to patient safety incidents. Uh, now, that program has been developed by uh, a real team of world-renowned experts in HF and systems thinking, uh, and it's fully self-supported online. So you'll be able to register through our website. Um, it's all um, it's all self-directed online in nice bite-sized modules uh, and takes about 30 hours. You'll have about six months access to that uh, once you log on. Uh, and as part of that, we'll be offering weekly Q&A drop-in sessions uh, for people to, people to drop in who are undertaking the the program to share their experiences uh, and talk with a couple of members of our faculty. Uh, so that's a really good program. There'll be quizzing elements throughout that uh, and then obviously uh, certificates certified at the end uh, of, of the program. So that meets that systems approach to learning from patient safety incidents. Uh, the second element is the oversight of learning from patient safety um, incidents, uh, and that is a program we are currently developing again for launch in um, early autumn. So we'll be developing that one day course. Uh, we may split it over a, a couple of sessions to make it a little bit less onerous, uh, possibly into two or four sessions, and that's being developed um, as we speak again for launch in early autumn. The difference between that and our level two program is that that would be a, a delivered program, so delivered online, um, in a live situation, but again, you'll be able to register uh, multiple dates on that through the HSIB website uh, from early autumn. Uh, and then the final the final section is involving those affected by patient safety safety incidents. Again, that's a one day six hour uh, requirement, uh, and that course is now developed and just in pilot um, stage with our internal investigators. Uh, so we did uh, a pilot of that last week, which was very successful. And again, we've divided that into four different sessions um, to cover the six hours training, and that's been developed by our family engagement team in HSIB. So we meet all of those minimum all those requirements for uh, the piece of training, which is great. Um, obviously, all of this is accessible for free uh, to NHS staff in England currently. Uh, we're undergoing our um, transition at the moment into HSSIB and our Maternity Special Health Authority, which will be complete in April 23, uh, when we will also gain oversight into the independent healthcare sector. Um, so we really want people to engage um, with all of these training options uh, as uh, you know, we've worked very closely with Tracy and the team uh, to make sure that we meet all of the requirements. In addition to this, we're also developing several of the bolt-on courses, which we think will be really useful. So these are bite-sized uh, two-hour programs. A couple of these courses are already up and running. So we have our investigative interviewing uh, program, which is actually two and a half hours now, which is really interactive. Uh, we've developed a series of, of videos to show how to get the best out of an interview process. Our strategic decision makers program, which is targeted at board level uh, and NEDs within trusts. Again, that's been really um, that's been really, really popular to give that um, that executive oversight uh, into systems thinking, human factors in patient safety investigations. 
And then a couple more of these bolt-on modules, which we're in busy development with now, is um, thematic analysis. So we're developing a two-hour standalone thematic analysis program, another one on concise report writing, uh, the practical application of SEEPs, and then uh, a little talking heads uh, video about around why do things go wrong. So uh, a background into, into the history of safety science and patient safety investigations. So there's an awful lot going on. Um, all of this will, will be launched in, in early autumn. Uh, so I just ask people to, to keep an eye out uh, for email shots coming out and, and obviously the details in the PSERF as well. Uh, and all of this will be easily accessible through our website uh, and Canvas, our learning management system. Thanks, Andrew. Did anyone have any questions on that? Tracy, I think you've got uh, something to you wanted to ask. Yeah, I was just going to I was just going to ask Andrew around um, the 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 numbers that of people that can take part in HSIB's training. Are there limited numbers or is it open to everyone? Yeah, good, good question. Thanks, Tracy. So for the level two uh, programme, uh, the numbers are unlimited, uh, but limited to NHS in England currently um, only. Uh, for the other programmes, the oversight training and the uh, and the involving um, involving those affected training, uh, that will be limited numbers just simply by the fact that they will be delivered uh, as live sessions. So we'll be offering as many of those sessions as we can, um, but that will be a, a first come first served uh, sign up to to those sessions. But the level two is unlimited. That's great. Thanks for that, Andrew. So yeah, a whole range of further training available through HC that's aligned with PSERF. Um, another point I'm going to move on to now, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are wondering how this all fits in with the National Patient Safety Syllabus, which is another key part of the overall patient safety strategy, which PISA sits under. Um, so bringing in Steve now, who was part of the team that developed the syllabus. Um, you've played an integral role in developing that syllabus, obviously, Steve. So can you give us an overview of how it all fits together? So the, the, the patient safety syllabus is, um, has been developed over the past few years and uh, was approved I think three years ago now as the uh, agreed basis for all patient safety training uh, in the NHS. So all of the things that uh, that you've been talking about so far on the podcast sit and align um, perfectly with the within the context of the patient safety syllabus. So that's the first thing to say. Uh, all, all of these uh, elements of the syllabus are based in uh, four aspects of safety science, and they are uh, human factors, risk management, safety culture, and systems thinking. So as you might expect, systems thinking really sits right at the heart of the patient safety syllabus, as it does in the heart of the training that you, Andrew, are offering in uh, uh, investigation training and has to sit in the heart of all of our national approaches to investigating incidents and learning from them and preventing harm to come to our patients in the future. So that's absolutely central to everything that we've been doing in the patient safety syllabus. Now let me just um, say a little bit about where this fits into the, the whole range of the syllabus, which is obviously a little bit more broad than than incidents uh, and learning from incidents alone. So um, there are five levels to the syllabus and its uh, and its resulting curriculum. At the moment, uh, the final patient safety curriculum, which is very detailed um, and really amounts to pretty much a master's course, I think, if there was some self-assessment that went in there as well, there's, there's a great deal of uh, work and knowledge in, in the syllabus. Um, five levels are uh, levels one to five level one and two are already available on the hee uh, self-education england uh, core learning web so for as e-learning modules level one is really awareness raising but critically it starts off with introducing systems thinking to everybody in the nhs so they understand that um 
the if you want to improve things you've really got to come back to the design levels and uh, although the behavioral levels are important how people behave are important we've we've got to get that system design correct so that's included in in level 1 there's a there's a case study that i recommend everyone to to look into uh, there's a document that supports that on the site and, it, and it's a cracking case study and it brings out an, an awful lot of things that we've been talking about today. Level two uh, goes into things in much more detail. So it covers safety culture, there's a section on risk, a section on human factors and a substantial section on systems thinking. Again, to make sure that we have a common vocabulary in this, that all of our discussions about patient safety and the things that we're doing to improve uh, safety for our patients are based around a common vocabulary and a common set of concepts. So to that end, of course, we've consulted widely on this one. I'm glad to say that our colleagues at NHS England and uh, HSIB have been part of that consultation programme. But in all, I think 50 to 60 academics and experts in the field of patient safety have had the opportunity to, to put their thinking into this that we've tried to encapsulate. So level two provides a basic basis in all of the elements of safety science that I think are critical for this, for anybody beginning to look at incidents and how we investigate them in the, in the service. Level three to five, obviously these are going into much more depth. And the critical bit here is uh, curriculum module 3.8. I hope that doesn't sound too complex. There are a number of modules that relate to this in the, in the curriculum, but 3.8 is the one about learning from patient safety incidents. And in this case, we work very closely with NHSE and an external consultant to make sure that the syllabus was completely aligned. And I think we've got that. Tracy can comment, I'm sure, because she was one of the people involved in this process. But I think we're pretty much aligned here. And 3.8 goes into a lot of detail about the systems approach, of course, but also um, what is what does best practice look like? What defined methodologies are appropriate? There's quite a big section on using SEEPs in incident investigation. We also sp spend a lot of time specifying what has to be learned with regard to those affected. Uh, and that doesn't just mean the, uh, the people um, who have been harmed directly by patient safety incidents, but those around them and the staff too, who need our help and support, our compassionate support while this is, is going on. So that um, is, is you know, com comprehensively covered in, in level three. Four and five in the syllabus do, do a little bit more. They look at task analysis and how tasks uh, can be designed safely. They look at human performance and how we can integrate that in a safe way with complex systems that we have to work with. Uh, and they look more deeply into aspects of human factors and the use of non-technical skills to make sure that all of that is integrated into our approach to uh, looking at patient safety incidents. So I think it's that the I think the integration is, is is pretty sharp. To to qualify in the uh, patient safety syllabus, this is a matter of considerable discussion as we go through this. And I have to say it's not completely agreed yet. Um, but our the intention of everyone I think around this table and the NHS more generally is to have a wholly aligned response, marching in step, learning what we can from incidents and making sure that they do not ever recur. We should never be looking at the same incident twice if our system is working properly. I hope that's okay. Any, uh, happy to take any questions on that from my colleagues around the table. Uh, Tracy, over to you. I think you've got a question. Yep. Are you able to talk a little bit more around kind of what the process is going to look like in the future? So I guess if organisations have the option potentially to, you know, to use the procurement framework, to use HSIB's training, or if they are, you know, staff are getting trained through the syllabus, how, how's that going to look for them 
Great, yeah. great question. Th thanks, Tracy. That's that's excellent. Uh, and and it's, this is a question that uh, is really uh, critical for for professionals uh, in, involved in this. We've got so many patient pa patient safety specialists now, and and many other people working at even at board level who consider themselves experts in patient safety and frequently are. So there's a professional career development side to this as well. The approach that we've taken throughout the syllabus is that we we won't be delivering the, this training. The this training will be delivered by uh, approved providers providers, not unlike the system that you've just been talking about. And, and we very much hope that the same providers as are uh, approved through your framework can be approved through our framework. But but frankly, this this is it's almost an academic issue, really. I don't mean academic in the sense of unimportant and abstruse. I mean, academic in the sense that there has to be an academic level evaluation of anyone that wants to provide this critical knowledge to our staff in the NHS. So all aspects of the patient safety curriculum have to go through an accreditation process. And if somebody tootles up and says, I'm, I'm human factors expert and I'm a, a whiz kid at teaching patient safety through non-technical skills, we say, that's great. Now let's look at exactly what you're doing and see if we can uh, you know, check that against the requirements of the syllabus and, uh, and you know, the quality of the delivery and the participants and so on. And can we accredit these providers for delivering those courses? So formally, if... Um, somebody wanted to be accredited on level 38 of, of the curriculum guidance, uh, we would have to match the requirements of 38 with the requirements of PSERF and the require and the offerings of, of people like Andrew, like HSIB and anyone else that was uh, in, in that field. Because we've worked so hard to build that alignment, I don't think that's going to be a problem for us, but but we're not going to relax the standards either, of course, because that, that's our job. We have to make sure that training is provided consistently and to an agreed set of quality standards. So that's how it sits there. I don't think people need to be worried if, they, if they're doing high quality training that's been approved through the systems we've been looked at recently, that will that will complete that bit of the training towards the uh, um, patient safety syllabus practitioners. But Steve, I guess just a question, not related to the, but so, Thinking about, you know, so a training provider is going to want to say, is going to say, actually, I want to offer level, I want to offer 3.8 or 3.38. Um, and so they will go to the accreditation body or whatever, I don't know, and someone will review their content or whatever to meet the standards to be able to offer 3.38. Um, so, well, I guess, well, what, what you guys will supply is a list of suppliers who have been accredited to teach each module. Is that is that right? Yes, that but but I suspect that the, it won't be by module. You know, Tracy. I think it will be more likely by um, groups, grouped module. Right. So, for example, if you look at um, uh, the. I think the safety culture stuff is a good example. So the safety culture work in the syllabus and the curriculum goes, um, it's like a bit of a spiral. There's something in level one, something in level two, and then it develops you know, deep, deep, more and more deeply until you, until you get to level five. It's quite possible that uh, a supplier may say, well, we'll, we'll try and deliver all of those safety culture modules. So yeah. we'll combine those into one course. So, but, but you know, what you said is absolutely right. Um, yeah. formally, each supplier will be accredited against the module that they, they wish to, or sorry, evaluated against the module that they're, they're um, hoping to teach um, and be accredited for doing so if they do. We, we've mocked this up. We've had a couple of simulations with uh, real suppliers and also real people who, who want to get 
um, credit for work they've already done. You know, we've done a lot of this work now over the past 10 years in the NHS, and lots of people have done human factors courses or non-technical skills courses. So how do we evaluate that? How do we accredit that? So we've been mocking that up a little bit. Somebody come along and say, well, I should be excused all the human factors work because I've done this, this and this. And we have to look at it in quite detail, you know, because a lot of people who've been on you know, what may have been called human factors courses have actually been on a sort of an inspirational weekend about non-technical skills, mm-hmm. which is not the same thing at all. So I think we have to be in, you know, have quite a lot of focus on, on this because this is the, um, it's going to be the basis for training over many years to come. And to get that common vocabulary and that common set of, of concepts, we, we must uh, assure this right, right from the beginning, I think. I guess so it- who, who will be on that accreditation process that's something that HEE have, have you know have got to work work with us all and agree really yeah I guess kind of going forward there's we'll have to do some work to make sure that um I guess if we can streamline the process or it, rather than you know having two lists of suppliers oh, teaching sure. this and, and that wherever the supplier may potentially have to go through both yeah. if they you know yeah. to get their names so that I guess there's work we can do in the future to maybe try and streamline that yeah, for, there is. For people who are applying, and that would be that would be helpful. I think you're absolutely right. I think of of all the things to ensure alignment on, though, this is the area. I think. Thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, so it's great to to hear that everything sounds it's like it's nicely aligned between the syllabus, PSERF, and and with that, the bigger picture of the wider patient safety strategy. So yeah, thanks to all our guests today. It's been another really informative session, and um, I hope our listeners have found really helpful and useful. Uh, finally, finishing off with you, Tracy. Where can people go if they want to find out more or have any questions around around this issue or this topic? Yeah, I guess um to to find out more, I, I guess the first place to go to would be to have a look at the PSERF documentation. To kind of there's there's a lot of it there, um specifically around training. The information is in the patient safety incident response standards, um and the the next step then would be to look at our future NHS platform. So that's where we have the links to information around the procurement framework and so on. Um, and also we get we'll have links there to kind of HSIB's website, um, so you can find out more about their education offering as well as the as the syllabus. That we are going to be hosting webinars throughout the year around PSEF. So I would say you know attend those webinars keep asking questions we'll be developed we'll be logging all the questions that are asked in that webinar in the in our webinars and we'll be developing frequently asked question um, um, documents that we can publish on the future NHS platform so I guess they would be my pointers um, we're going to continue over the next 12 months or so working with everyone and learning how this is going um, so just to keep an eye out on that future NHS platform. Thanks very much, Tracy. So um, with that, we'll finish the podcast here. So thanks again to all our guests, Tracy, Nadine, Amy, Andrew and Steve. And just to repeat what Tracy just said, if you're looking to find out more about PSERF, then the best starting point is the PSERF webpage on the NHS England website, which you can find by simply Googling PSERF or the actual URL is england.nhs.uk forward slash patient safety forward slash instant incident response framework. And also keep an eye on Twitter where we'll be posting regular updates, including information about the upcoming webinars that Tracy just mentioned there. Uh, You can follow us using at PT Safety NHS. And as Tracy also just said, you can also access a range of resources and discussion forums on the PSERF section of our NHS Patient Safety Future NHS workspace. Thanks for listening.